0: And this is Dan. Together we pastor Hope Culture Church in Elgin, Illinois. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. All right. Well, I'm excited as we're going to continue in our series on the book of Exodus, looking at the life of Moses. And before we jump in today, I just have a couple questions, kind of getting a lay of the land. Who are the people that are just so good with directions? Raise your hand. Just like, you know where you're going. You don't need the GPS. I'm like, where's north right now? And you all know it's that way, right? You're like, well, maybe not. No, it's that way. And then, yeah, you're just like, you always know where you're going. Who are, the, who are my directionally challenged friends? I, okay, that was the reverse of what I expected. The directionally challenged ones were much more eager to admit it. They were like, <laughs> that is me. The ones who are good with directions, are like bashful about it. I'm like, you're good with directions, that's great. You know, I've grown in it. I'm not great at it. Uh, I'm getting better. Abigail says I'm good at it. It's all relative. There's a spectrum. Um, I like to think I'm good at it. But anyways, I, I still use the GPS, kind of out of default. Like, that's the, the generation I pretty much grew up in. Um, like, when I first started learning to drive, it wasn't very many people who had garments or, you know, those things. The, like, the little tiny one that's, like, fat. A few people had them, but not very many. I got one uh, from Abigail's parents, actually, um, when I graduated college, because we were engaged at that point. And that, was their, that was their gift. I was driving to Michigan, and they're like, you need to know how to get here. And so they gave me a, a Garmin, and that was fun stuff. I don't know about you, but there's something inside of me that feels the like, estimated time of arrival is a challenge. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm getting some yeses. You know, you're like, I could beat that. And depending on how far away it is, the more you're like, you set a mental time in your head. You're like, I'm going to beat that by 10 minutes. I, I can, well, that's, that's, a, that's a long trip, guys. That's not like down the street. You know, you're like, I can beat that by however much. Because there's something inside of us that just wants to get there faster. We're impatient people. And today we're going to be looking at, you know, the people are finally freed. The Israelites are finally let go. Pharaoh has finally said that they can leave. And they begin their journey and immediately it's not going as fast as they expected. And I think that happens in our own life. Maybe you've given your life to Christ recently. You, you raised your hand and you started this journey of following him. And you're like, I don't know exactly what to expect, but I'm just taking my first step. I'm starting to follow him. And you're realizing things don't change as fast as I expected them to. Sometimes God moves and there's, there's things that change and habits you get rid of or, or things that happen. And some of us have been following Jesus a long time and we're like, that still hasn't changed. Things don't move as quickly as I expected them to. This thing I've been praying about still hasn't changed. It feels like God is taking me the long way. The long way. Let's read Exodus 13, starting in verse 17. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Did you catch that? They just left. They're not even wandering in the wilderness yet. You know, if you're familiar with the story, you're like, I know this is about to be a long journey, but even before all of that, God's already taking them the long way. He doesn't take them the shortest route by the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. God had a purpose in the rerouting. They just didn't know what that purpose was yet. Verse 18 So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Abigail mentioned, you know, her parents gave me that GPS because she's from Michigan. Her family still lives in Michigan, and uh, we like to visit them pretty regularly. And when we go, we know about how long it takes. Anytime you take a trip like that pretty regularly, you're like, I know when we have to leave to get there at that time. Well, there was one time we were getting ready to leave, and the GPS, even though we've taken this route a bunch of times, said it's going to be much longer than we expected it to be a significant amount, over an hour, and it's not that long of a drive. And we're like, why is this so much more than we expected? And we look, and you know how you can look at the alternate routes, and the normal route we took had some really bad construction. There was extra things going on, and the GPS knew that to actually get there, we needed to go a different route than we were used to. The route that made sense, the route that we had always taken, the route that seemed more natural, the longer way. God's doing something similar here in that he's not taking them the expected way. In fact, I have a map. Here's a map of the area. So Egypt is over here and they're up there and they start heading south and they really go southeast here. But the natural way would have been to follow that blue line. That would have taken them right past the Philistines. And if you know your Old Testament, you know the Philistines are one of the number one bad guys. That's that's Goliath's people. That's who David's going to fight later. And the, anything that ends in Eens, you know those are the bad guys pretty much. Or the Ites, especially the Ites. The, all of the Ites. They fight all of them in a little bit. But they can't go that way because God knows they're not ready. But in verse 18, which we just read, it says the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. They thought they were ready. They actually, they, were, they left ready for battle, prepared, dressed for battle, expecting there to be opposition along the way. But God knew that they weren't ready for it. And how often are we thinking we're ready for something that we're not? How often are we ready to move to that place that God knows we're called to, but God knows, hey, you're, you're not maybe as ready as you thought you were. Maybe you're not as prepared as you think you are. And so they leave as an army ready for battle, but God sends them down a different way, a different Path. You kind of see that squiggle over there. We'll talk about that in a few chapters. But they're headed this direction, and it reminded me of Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14, in verse 12, says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. That this would have been literal for them. That if they would have gone the way that made sense to them, they would have died. They would have lost that battle. Because they've been in Egypt for so long, none of them have been warriors. They've been making stones. None of them have prepared for battle practically. They would have gone and fought an army that they weren't able to beat. Of course, God could have given them supernatural victory. But there's something else that he wants to do in this process, in this rerouting. Because there's this idea that as much as he wanted to get them out of Egypt, he also wanted to get Egypt out of them. That they had picked up some cultural habits, some tendencies, some things that they needed freedom from. That it wasn't just external freedom, that it was internal freedom as well. And as we have followed this theme of salvation and deliverance, we've realized over and over every week how it parallels our freedom. Our freedom from sin and how Jesus was the Passover lamb who paid the price and all of the things that we've been taking note of. And the same is true for us is when we first experience freedom, we think everything's changed. I'm a new person and you are, you're made brand new in Christ, but you still have old habits, old ways, things that linger from the past. And God wants to deal with those. He wants to change you slowly, but surely changing you from the inside out, that he wants to free you from Egypt. Yes, but he also wants to get Egypt outside of you. So there's a way that appears right. And it's often the faster way. Have you noticed that? When you do things God's way, sometimes it just seems slower. You're like, I'm doing things God's way in dating and I'm, you know, like doing it all his way. I'm remaining pure and I'm this and and that. But it seems like that's just taking way longer. Like the world's way seems faster. Seems like they're getting what they want. Or, or I'm doing it God's way and I, I'm giving generously, but, you know, I, it's, it's making it harder for me to make moves and, and change things for my family or my situation. Or I'm doing things God's way in this area and whatever it might be. You, you might be saying, hey, it seems like that's actually taking longer. Sometimes God's way is longer. He purposely said, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land, you're not going that way. I'm going to take you a different direction. There's a way that seems right, but the right way is the best way. The shortest way isn't always good. When we're driving, we want to beat the GPS, but when we're following God, we just want to follow him. We want to trust him. We want to know that, hey, God, you you got this right. And so I have a few things I want to point out. And the first is the idea of no turning back. No turning back. Every one of these points I have underneath something that's true about God. And this is trusting that God knows the best way. It's trusting that he truly knows what's best. The idea of no turning back, you know, we see that in verse 17. It says that the reason that God took them the roundabout way was because if they faced a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. He's like, they don't have the grit. They don't have the endurance. In fact, next week when we get to the part where they're actually going across the Red Sea and they think they're trapped, all of them say, we'd be better off still being in Egypt. He knows them. He knows them well. And he knows that they're not prepared for this. That God truly does know what's best. That this is actually for their protection. That if they head into that battle, they're not going to win. Some of them are going to run back and some of them are going to lose their lives. We have to trust God knows what's best. We have to trust that that turning back isn't the best thing. I think of that that hymn where we're like, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. That even in that moment when you first decide to follow him, you don't fully know what you're committing to. You only have a partial picture. You know that you need a savior, but you're like, I don't even know what following him will look like. But it's making that decision to say, I'm going to keep going because I trust that he knows even when I don't. That he knows the way that's best. And this is what I, I wrote down. I wrote down, the shortest route isn't always the safest route. The shortest route isn't always the safest route. Sometimes getting there quick is the thing that, that could kill you or kill that calling that God has on your life or that purpose that he's put into That the shortcut ends up taking longer in the end. That you don't get the real thing that God is offering. You get a, a, a version of it. Getting there quick could involve compromise, or it could involve the wrong person, or it could involve all sorts of things. And I think back to, you know, my dating life. You know, I dated other people, and I'm so thankful that God closed those doors. Amen, Amen, right? She said amen. I say amen, because waiting and not rushing and not saying, hey, I'm going to make that work, or whatever it is, led me to what God had for me, Abigail. And, you know, sometimes you got to praise God for shut doors. That's easy to look back on later. That can be harder in the moment. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know where you feel like you have delay. I don't know what area of your life that you've been asking God for. It's a a prodigal grandchild or it's a, a financial situation or it's your career changes or whatever it might be that you feel, God, I've been going the long way for this thing. I think sometimes we can see how much we truly trust God and how impatient we get with the long way. How much we're begging God for the shorter way. How much We trust God when everything's going exactly as we want. We're like, yeah, of course I trust God. But in that area of our life where we're experiencing delay, it's like, do you truly trust God? Can you worship him in the middle of the shut door? Do you trust that he knows best? Because there's a way that seems right, cutting across the top, but it's not actually better. There's this word that's very helpful for your faith. It's the word yet. I haven't, I have not blank yet. I haven't gotten that dream job yet. I haven't gotten that other thing yet. Adding the word yet leaves room for faith. It's still honest, but it leaves room for faith. That you're trusting that God knows best. That you're willing to wait. On his timing. I have a friend, you know, actually, Pastor Aaron, he spoke here earlier in the year, and he said this, and I love this. He said, God is more concerned for your safety than your satisfaction. I love that. Let that sink in for a minute. God is more concerned about your safety than your satisfaction. We just want to be happy. We're like, God, can't you just give me what I want? He's he's more concerned about what's truly good for you. So he sent them the wrong way because they weren't ready it was for their protection. There may be destiny in the delay. There may be purpose in waiting. I think about our kids on road trips and they're like, are we there yet? And I think we're so often like that with God. Are we there yet? Is dinner ready yet? Is grandma coming over yet? Is it time to go to the park yet? We're just, we're ready for that next thing. But will you trust him in the waiting? Have you ever thought that there may be a reason for the detour? that there might be purpose there. 2 Thessalonians 3 says this, starting in verse 3, but the Lord is faithful. God is faithful. And he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. I think sometimes perseverance, patience, patience, Or that New King James Version, long-suffering. That idea of grit in our modern culture. We sometimes lose that as as followers of Christ. We have it in other areas of our life. We have this tenacity that shows up in in business or work or these things. but, But do we have it when it comes to following God that says, I'm going to follow him even when it seems like I'm taking the long way? When it's not so smooth? Are you going to trust that he knows you? That he knows what's best? So that first point... There's no turning back. Be willing to keep following God, even when it's slow, even when it's hard, because God knows what's best. The second thing, if you're taking notes, write this down, if you want to put it in your notes app in your phone, or if you're just listening along, the second thing is that God prepares us during that time, that there's purpose in the plan, so the first part, you know, it's kind of like he knows best. That's the idea of protection. He's protecting them from a battle they're not ready for. But, but in the delay, it's not just protection. There's actual preparation. That it's not a battle that they can't have ever. It's a battle that they can't have yet. That he's preparing them in the middle of it. It's years before they go to war. You know, if I were writing the story, I would have written it differently. I would have been like, and they leave and they, and they just kick butt the whole way to the promised land. That's why I'm not God. <laughs> they took the long way and God's forming them and molding them. And I do wanna know the long way, if the map, if you can picture it in your head, or if they if you can throw it back up, the short way would have taken about 10 days. That many people, roughly 10 days, is a lot of people, it's like two and a half million people. The long way, if they don't get stuck in the wilderness, would have taken 40 days. For those of you who are familiar with the story, it takes 40 years. It's a separate thing. Sometimes we cause our own delays in disobedience. Yeah, right. And I don't want you to confuse that because the delay can come from two different places. The delay can be because of you and something you did or something you haven't learned yet or it can be from God because he's forming you and he has something to you need to learn or, he, or he's protecting you from something you can't see yet. And sometimes there's overlap there because they had a lesson to learn. It just takes them a long time to learn it. Longer than, the, longer than it should have. There's purpose in the plan. He knows where he's taking you and he knows what it's going to take to keep you there. They could have maybe got to the land, but they wouldn't have been able to, to keep it, to inhabit it and stay there and live there. I think so often we're in a rush to get to where God's leading us, to that thing, to that job, to that person, to whatever it might be. But we don't have what it takes to keep that thing, to do it right, to do it the way that God's calling us to. He knows what it takes to keep you there. In the middle of the delay, he's forming you. He's molding you. He's shaping you. He's changing you. This difficult season is probably a development season. That always encourages me because I feel like oftentimes, if we're honest, it's a lot of difficult seasons. That, that following God is full of blessings and grace, and it's the best decision I've ever made. But it doesn't mean that everything in my life is smooth. In fact, there's there's lots of obstacles and difficulty. But when I remember that the difficulty serves a purpose, it changes how I walk through it. And this isn't just an Exodus thing. This is a throughout the Bible principle. This is in Joseph's story. This is in Romans when he's talking about perseverance, producing maturity. This is in James when he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of various kinds. Because, because. He's not just saying, be a weird person who's happy when hard things happen. (laughs) He's saying, no. Consider it pure joy because of what it's producing in you. That it's changing something inside of you. That this difficult season is a development season. That God's changing you. And we learn lessons in hard seasons. I just wonder, are we learning the right ones? Are we letting God speak to us in those moments? Are we letting him form us and mold us? I think often one of the hard parts about difficult seasons is we're comparing it to somebody else's season. That we're comparing the hardest part of what we're walking through to one of the easiest things somebody else is walking through. Because we ignore that. When we're doing comparison, we're we're not looking at what's hard for them. We're just looking at what's right for them. And we're like, well, they got that going on. And this is what's going on for me. And we're frustrated. But God's doing something different in their life. He has a different thing he's doing. And I think sometimes we can make the assumption that they just got there magically. That only it's hard for us and it's easy for them. And there's just no such thing as an overnight success. Not not a true one, not a lasting one. Because often, God takes us the long way. And if we take the shortcut, you might get where you're going, you just won't be able to stay there. And so God's developing us. He's forming us. He cares more about your holiness than your happiness. Just like it was safety and satisfaction in the first one, it's holiness and happiness in the second one. He cares about who you're becoming. He wants to change you from the inside out. The third thing I want us to note is to remember past promises. God is faithful. All of these have an attachment of, of who God is and what he does in our life. Remembering past promises. It says, as we continue in Exodus, that Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Which is, if we thought about that in a modern context, that's pretty weird. It's not like the, he's, just, Moses is, Joseph has been gone for a while. You know, it's been, he's been there. Most scholars, as I'm reading the commentaries though, it's not just like a, a bag of bones or something. It's like, you know, they were in Egypt. He probably had some form of embalming that it was some version of like a mummified Joseph that they're carrying along with them. And so it says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. He said, God will certainly come to help you. God will certainly come to help you. Another version talks about how he will come to your aid. When he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. So the the book of Exodus is quoting the book of Genesis, and this is in chapter 50. This is what he says in verse 24. Soon I will die, Joseph told his brothers, but God will surely come to help you and lead you out of this land of Egypt. He will bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So, if you're new to church, it's your first time, or you've been coming for a little bit, you're still kind of piecing the puzzle of the story of God together. Joseph is the coat of many colors guy. He's the one who his brothers sell into slavery, into Egypt, and it becomes this whole story of how God turns what was meant for evil into good. He uses it to rescue his family, and all 70 of them move to Egypt, and that's how we get to Egypt in the first place. Then they've grown, and Pharaoh's changed, and when they once looked upon that family favorably, they now hate them and enslave them, which is why they need freedom in the first place. But Moses knows the identity of the people well enough to to remember. Joseph made us promise to bring him with And I think there's significance to that. This isn't accidentally in the Bible. This almost seems like a strange verse to have detailed in this short chapter. The chapter is only 22 verses. And so it says in verse 19, they brought Joseph with. And I think sometimes remembering what God has said is what gets us through the delay. When we hold on to his character and his nature and his promises... It helps when we feel like we're wandering in the wilderness. When we remember he's been faithful before, he'll be faithful again. He's not going to fail for the first time with you. He's not going to stop being who he is. It says in Hebrews that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That when he brings the body of Joseph with it's 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 fulfilling the the promise that Joseph made them take but it's also a physical reminder that God said he was going to do this. But it's also a reminder that it's not on our timeline. It's a lot later than I think Joseph would have pictured. You know, Abraham their forefather had been promised this land and hundreds of years have passed. But God's faithful. His timing is just not always our timing. I think often in the Christian journey, it feels like things can be slower or harder than we anticipated. There's delays, there's detours, and God is protecting us and preparing us in the middle of that. But I want us to have something to hold on to, that God is faithful in the middle of it, that he has said he will see us through it, that he's with you, he will never leave you or forsake you that he has not forgotten about you. He loves you. He cares for you. We can trust that God knows the best way because he is faithful to his word. How much time do we spend worrying about something that God has already said he'll take care of? If I read the Sermon on the Mount, I'm convicted every time especially when it gets to the part about don't worry about today or don't worry about tomorrow and it talks about the birds and the field and all of those things and I'm just like I worry about so much stuff that God says he's going to take care of. And we all do. If we truly grow in seeing him as faithful, it helps in the delay. It helps in the detour. Our fourth and final thought is follow the cloud. Follow the cloud. God guides and provides. Verse 20: the Israelites they left uh, Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. That's the upper left part of the map. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar or the cloud of fire from its place in front of the people. As I was thinking about this, this is actually the name of our series, Led by Fire, that God's leading them, that it's active, that his presence is with them. As I was thinking about this, I was just struck with how this was 24-7. In the Old Testament, that's not always what we saw. You know, there was seasons of silence or moments where the Holy Spirit came on a person for a time and then left or whatever it might be. But in this moment, the pillar of cloud was there 24-7, fire, cloud, all the time. It's a picture of the future when Pentecost comes and the fire of God falls on his church and we're filled with the Holy Spirit and he never leaves us. And I think it's a beautiful picture of how we're supposed to be led by the Spirit all of the time. That it's not sometimes. It's not just during the day for them or it's not just on Sundays for us. It's, it's a daily being led by the Lord. It says that the, it never left its place in front of the people. That there wasn't a moment where they they could doubt that God was not with them. And yet we we know that pretty soon they will. And we do that too. We have the spirit of God living inside of us. And yet we sometimes wonder when we're taking the long way instead of the short way, is the GPS working? God, am am I still in step with you? I thought I heard you say go this way, but this this seems like a strange way. Do we trust that he's preparing us and protecting us, that he truly knows best, that he's faithful to get us where he said he will? I think if we allow ourselves to be led daily, he'll continue to form us. He'll continue to protect us. That it's actually in the detour that we find our formation that we become more like Christ, that we get to where we're supposed to go at the right time, in the right way, that we trust him fully because he's faithful. You see how God has delivered them and we know that we're going to continue in the story and there's ups and downs as they learn to follow him and all of us are in different stages of following Christ. All of us have our next step to take, whether it's one of our first few or we've been following him for a long time. We still grow in just trusting that, that trust that looks like risk. I had a, a Bible professor. We were just talking about that this week because um, we, we met with another missionary who's going to India, and she knew the same professor, so we were, we were reminiscing. And this professor, the main thing that sticks out from the class I took with him is he said, if you want to walk on water, you have to step out of the boat. And he talked about how Peter was the only one bold enough to step out of the boat and see what God could do in that moment. And the others didn't. And it just is always a reminder for me of what Hebrew says, where it's like, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do we trust him enough to be led when it doesn't make sense? When it looks like stepping out of a boat for Peter, when it looks like for Paul heading into a city where he knows he's going to be persecuted? Are we willing to follow him when we know it's the long way? When it feels like we're never getting to where he promised? Are we willing to trust him? And so I want to do two things as we close. I want to just take a moment and pray for any or all of us who feel like we're in a season of delay. Where it feels like other people got there quicker than I did. Or I've been hoping to get there and it's just taking longer than I expected. If that's you, I'd love for you just to raise your hand. Just in the moment, right now, a few hands are starting to go up, a few more. I believe there's more of us who, who feel like we're in a season of delay. Something's taking longer than I thought. And I just want to take a minute and pray for you. Even if you didn't raise your hand, God, we ask that you administer to each and every person in this room, specifically those who feel like they're in a season of delay who feel like they are being led the long way. God, would the long way not be wasted, but would you use it to prepare them, to form them into your image, to make them more like you, that they'd represent you better and the character of Christ would be formed inside of them by the fruit of your spirit. God, that you would help them realize that this might be a season of protection, that you might be with them holding something for their own good, that there's something that you're doing that they can't see, that there's, there's something that you're, you're keeping them from. And God, would you just be with them? Would you remind them of your faithfulness? Would you speak a, a word of scripture or comfort over them, God, that they would trust your past faithfulness, that they'd be able to look at the promises you've made and know that you are good and you're with them? Would you encourage them, Lord? And would they trust you every step of the way? Would they be led by your spirit? Would they be led by fire, one step at a time? God, you are a God who cares about us, who deeply loves us, who, who loves us so much that you gave yourself for us. Would we give ourselves freely in following you, in trusting you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The second group I want to pray for is maybe that that person who's never made that first decision to follow Jesus. That you, you aren't in the delay yet. It might feel like it, but you actually haven't even left Egypt. That, you, that you're still in a form of bondage. That, that you're, you're living life just as you see and not trusting God. And so what, what the Bible teaches is that all of us are in our own Egypt, that we've all sinned that we've fallen short of the glory of God, the standard of God, that we've done things that break break his law and break his heart. But that he loved us so much that he died for us, that he sent his one and only son Jesus to live a perfect life and that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day, conquering the grave and and it says that any of us who put our faith and trust in him can have eternal life. That we're completely forgiven. Last week, we talked about the Passover lamb, that that we are looked over and given the righteousness of Christ. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. There's no specific words that get you into heaven. It's a heart posture. It says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved, you will be rescued, you'll be delivered. And so I'm going to pray, and I just want you to pray in your own heart or in your own words, if you've never made that decision before, to make that decision to follow him today. Pray, God, I need you. I need you to rescue me. I've made mistakes. I've sinned against you. I've, I've broken your rules, your law, your standard. And I ask for your forgiveness. I trust that you forgive me because of what Jesus has done. I ask that your spirit would fill me And make me brand new. That you would free me from captivity. That you'd help me to find new life in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear about what God is doing in your life. To share your story or a prayer request, simply hit contact on our website. You can also support the ministry of Hope Culture Church by visiting hopeculturechurch.com. We hope you have a great week.